Just let you know, on the regular Game Source podcast, we try to keep it this one, the clean one, for a broader audience. If you ever decide to go on one of the other podcasts or do your own, you can do it any way you like. I know Sam does one with Joshua that they keep clean, potentially, but I know some of the others like Modern Gears and the CNC podcast, those are explicit. They you use you know foul language if they want to as as far part of their podcast i have no problems with that i just uh the the regular one that we do when we get the the broader one um we just i just want to read that one i want to reach a broader audience so we try to keep that one relatively clean if you do slip up or whatever no problem i, just, <laughs> I have plenty I've, of experience with that yeah yes sam does <laughs> i just bleep it it's not big deal. i'll say it i'll be like up and then and it's just, like a, it's like a series of like of and I'll be like, and sometimes that's cool. Sometimes when you do, you know, just to get your point across, if you have to, that's fine. And and so that you know, I've had plus okay. ones where it's like I need to swear here, and it's not <laughs> going to be as effective if I don't swear here. Was that a good one? I'm trying to do the Sam 7th That's like my hello. hello. That's what I was trying to do. That's hello. Me. That's my intro. You need hello. a little more pep. You need more pep. Hello. 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 And welcome to the Game Stores Podcast. Podcast number 99-0 for everyone out there. It's another beautiful day in paradise. It's been a while since I've said that. It's Gerald, better known as Yes, Elvis Lives. And I've got two great staff members with me today first off let's go with the seventh valkyrie it's sam hello that's how it's done <laughs> you need you need the right amount of pep to it you, you need a you need a patent on that one trademark uh, on, on the vocal inflection of how you say it uh, on how to say hello yes if candy can be attempted be trademark although they oh, didn't you yeah. know they decided to relinquish it then you know that would have just been a mess so. they still got not, saga can, though that's true. Can you can you trademark a vocal inflection? Can you do that, or is it just like words? Um, it depends how you word it, because I know that um, the gentleman Dave from who used to be on Storage Wars, he did yep, but you had to do a lot of use in it. So, uh, okay. yeah, well, I'll have to I'll have to figure out like how I would write out the letters to pronounce Hello. it. Hello, hello, <laughs> like la. It's it's the it's a la. Like it's, it's a very throaty la. I don't know how to write that. <laughs> Oh, Fair enough. Good. And our our next staff member I want to introduce today. We are so glad to have him aboard. I've known him for years. This is the first He's podcast, a, a, so choose your yes. first words well. I'm just warning you, Gerald will remember and frequently remind you of your first words on this podcast. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. It's OSU Water Polo, better known as Aaron. How are you, my friend? I'm okay. Yourself? 
I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I've, uh, we've had Chris had, I think I still have Chris. What up, uh, world? Yeah, exactly. I remember world. that. Exactly. But um, it's great to have you aboard. I appreciate both of you what you've been doing lately as far as the reviews and all everything that you've been sending in. I know the King and the Valkyrie, we just did number three, just posted it, right? That's consistency right there. Three whole three whole podcasts. We're probably going to record again this weekend. So we're, we're, and, doing, we're, we're doing a pretty week, like roughly weekly. And so. you didn't get blown away by the wind. And if you don't know what we I didn't. mean, check it out. Yeah, check yes, it out. We almost got blown away by the wind. Yep, yep. And Aaron, I know once you get both your computers back up and running, I know you got a lot of reviews on the way that, you know, you're so gracious as far as taking up uh, a lot of the stuff that we get in from all these uh, smaller developers. And we're very appreciative that both you and Sam uh, take it, take the lion's share of these reviews. Yeah, those were fun. We need some enthusiasm. We need some more passion. Well, he, uh, you haven't ones... met me. <laughs> I'm not enthusiastic. All right. Well, well the... um, my name is Sam, and I will be covering the pep this evening. <laughs> well, the ones that we we've given him has been like me, for me as well. Sometimes these small developers don't always send you the best of products, and uh, we have to grade them fairly here at Game Source. Oh. Uh, you know, we're not bribed. We're not. Uh, you know, one of them was basically a Warcraft three mod. That's what the entire game felt like. I'm yep. like, oh my god, I want to bang my head into a wall. It was, you know... And, and then it and didn't you, even work properly on top of it. <laughs> exactly, and you were having a lot of problems with it, trying to even get it loaded, and, and they apologized, I know, to Nick uh, for the issues that you were having, which I know did you no good, and it just had to reflect in the, st- in the score. And, and uh, check that out on a reviews page for both their work uh, in the past month, and I know these two have got uh, more on the way as well. But uh, we've got a busy show, so let's get right into it. Release the Kraken. Let's get Kraken into the news. The news. The news. The news. The news. See, Irish? Because his last name sounds pretty French. Uh, yeah, I know. When, it was, when he said he was, he was European. He, well, yes, he was actually very old at the time, and I don't think he really wanted to do that movie very much, even though it's now a cult classic. I think he just wanted the paycheck. Sort of like Sir Alec Guinness in Star Wars. Yeah, he was like, "Screw you guys! I really don't want to do this movie." He did not really want to do that. Yes, you could tell. He even said so at the time. Anyways, the first topic I want to talk about is the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One. The console wars continue. This time, while the PS4 strikes Japan like Godzilla, scoring over three hundred thousand. Units sold in its first weekend of sales. Because, as it, we know, Godzilla also sold three hundred thousand. Well, you know, it in just its re- first weekend of sales well, in Japan. Hey, they wreaked havoc in Japan. So I'm telling you right now, it, it's they're very happy and pleased with it, with it. To me, I think it's a good number. Um, I think a really, really good number. I don't think it's you know out of the. Uh, out of the water like they did in Europe and, and America, but still a very strong number in their home company. How many of um, those units do you think are just Japanese people being like, screw Microsoft, like just out of spite, like, 
I'm getting the PlayStation 4 because it's not the Xbox One. Like, well, I'm I mean, going to say it, a good at least like 60% of those were those out of well, the Well, the Wii U just passed in lifetime sales. The Wii U in Japan is in lifetime sales has just passed the Xbox 360. I think for, every, you, I think for to, every Xbox One sold in Japan, there are three PS4s and two Wii U's sold just out of sight. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's a Western mentality in their minds, and they just... Unfortunately, you know those those rod roadblock blocks are there. Whether it's you know you say xenophobia or what have you, it's just they don't view Western products uh, in a really good light. And Microsoft knows it. Just goes it 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 tried hard initially to push the Xbox 360 there, but then it just gave then they just gave up, and that's why they haven't even pushed the Xbox One there yet. And uh, they plan to. I'm sure at some point in time they will announce. Uh, you know. That they will hit that market, but they know they they don't they won't hit it this time with any real you know lauded expectations. Well, the Xbox series of consoles in general just doesn't have that many games that the Japanese gamer is going to play. So a lot of them would, I, I think, if they got some better quality games that were exclusive for the Japanese market, that they would have better sales. But at least from what. I've seen the Xbox just doesn't have the type of games the Japanese are known for playing. I know when you and I were working the, the stores and there were some Japanese developers and JRPGs that they tried to incorporate into the Xbox 360 at that time. Sucked. Okay, not all That's... of them, but in general, they all sucked. I, and I can't agree with you more on that. I just, I just know that... that I think it's a mentality, and I think they could have a lot. Of, they could get they could get the rights to the Monster Hunter series. They could get the rights to Persona. And oh, they never just, will, though. Well, Sony's no, going to cling to that with their dying breath. But what I'm saying is, they could get their hands on those series, and I don't think it would make a whole lot of difference because it's just the views that they have as a country towards Western the Western markets and the Western you know develop you know any games there. Uh, for the most part, that are developed from the West are still not not as you know popular. I mean, the number one game there right now was uh, Knack because it was bundled, and they chose to, even though that was made by by a, a Western individual, he was so closely tied to creating the PS3. So, so I guess for that matter, it seems okay, quote unquote, to for them to to bundle it with a PS4. But but any Western titles, almost to the T, they just do not have any success over there in Japan. And um, I think it's more just, just a, a, a cultural issue. Um, I also think as well, they're, they're, sometimes it's, it's to their favor, but sometimes it's to their detriment. You know, we see Nintendo, but we can, go, we can go all day on Nintendo, as you and I have in the past, Sam. But I think a lot of the issues come from just, just from a Japanese mentality on, on change and, and, and uh, as far as you know, them not wanting to go ahead and make such drastic changes because it's it's a different mentality possibly than what, what a lot of Japanese culture would dictate. And you, I just you know Oh no, sorry, go, continue. Oh go ahead. I just think Finish right your now, thought and then I'll 
Well, just leaning back into the Xbox One and and, and PlayStation Four. Xbox One will hit that market. I, they just this time they're going to not going to go in full board like they initially did with the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Uh, they're just going to go in with tepid uh, expectations. Titanfall, because it's a mech game uh, incorporated, may actually succeed. But first person shooters have traditionally not done well in Japan either. So at this point in time, I think if, if they're going to hit that market, but they're not going to hit it with anything strong. Go ahead, Would Sam. You, I'm sorry. Like I think we can agree that in at least in the United States, this is a generalization, but um, that you know the incoming g- generation is. I feel I'm not old enough to be able to say this, but the incoming generation is much less traditional than the outgoing generation. And every I generation think, ever has said that. Yeah. Though. So like, okay, so that's fair to say. So I think if you can say that for the United States, you can probably say that for Japan. I think uh, again, not to, the, uh, not to not to the extent. Not to the extent. But no. would you? So do you think that they're in the future? If if again generalizing, the incoming generation is less, you know, holds less, puts less stock in tradition, and do you think there's more hope for the Xbox and other, you know, American-made companies in the future? If you know, if, I think Jared, like you were saying, if one of the reasons that the Xbox does not do well is just because, you know, the sphere of change. But if the up and coming generation, maybe that's not something that worries them so much. Do you think that Microsoft is going to have a better chance of getting their foot in the door there? I think this time, yes, I know they're going in with tepid expectations, but I really think that if they can somehow uh, popularize, popularize and incorporate the other entertainment aspects of the Xbox one, uh, the usage, you know, of of all the video aspects and the TV aspects, and possibly, like Aaron was saying earlier, about trying to get a solid Japanese developed game, a really good one that will attract a customer base there. Uh, I think is the key. I mean, they tried initially with the Xbox 360, but as Aaron, Aaron and I all know, they didn't. It didn't connect with audiences in Japan or the U.S. But if they do actually stumble upon something that that a title or they get uh, a fran- acquire a franchise that that will work, or they can get you know Monster Hunter or something of that nature over to the Xbox One, then that might help them exceed their even their so own. How much expectations effort? There. How much effort do you think Microsoft should focus? Because uh, obviously, to get a franchise like that, they're going to need to focus a lot of energy. How much focus do you think they need to put in, you know, pushing sales in Japan, or how much? And how much focus do you think they should focus on home shores? I think they need to gauge what, um, uh, you know, how much. Because right now, because everything is going and being funneled to Japan, you're not able to get a PS4 really in most markets at this point in time. And they've even come out. Sony has even come out and said in the past ten days that. That supply is going to be limited until April. But uh, Aaron, as you've seen, as far as concerned, I wanted you to see if you could uh, let let Sam your give Sam your thoughts on on if the Japanese market is can be open to the Xbox One because I think it can, but it's just they would have to hit on a lot of steps before they could become successful. Yeah, they have a lot of roadblocks that are definitely in the way of Microsoft having a semi decent release over the course of years there but i think the biggest problem is is you know they play games a lot differently than we do um i mean when you look at a lot of the japanese games uh 
that are big over here. Um, like Bravely Default right now is the biggest one, and it, and a lot of people I've talked to with that one have a huge complaint about the um, spot or street pass feature of it. Um, you know, in Japan, it's not an issue. You get on the subway and everybody street passes with you. Whereas here in America, you know, we're all video game nerds and we sit in our room and we play games by ourselves. And, you know, yeah, we may play them with people we know in, uh, you know, over the internet, but that's not really how the Japanese are. They're a lot more close knit than we are. You know, they, they do street pass. They can get a lot of them, you know, they get hundreds of pet tags a day from some of the people that I know over there. Whereas I'm lucky if I get four in a month, and that's because I purposely go out to game stops that I know the employees have them. But I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I guess it's the mentality that we have towards games we like and the mentality they have are just so separate because. I love Japanese games, but I can sit and I can play with you in, you know, Gears of War or something like we've done before, even though they're not my favorite style of games. I'll play them to hang out with someone I know, whereas the Japanese are very, at least the ones I've talked to are very picky in what they play. You know, if they're an RPG they have a, fan, they, that's it. They have a much narrower view of what they can or they feel they can or want to play, yes. uh, I believe. I mean, like the first-person shooters. Uh, yes, I know that they did sell about roughly 20,000, 30,000 copies of Killzone. But for, for the Japanese market, the first-person shooter still has a lot of things it needs to overcome in order to become the you know a genre of choice over there. So, uh, I'm, Sam, your your final thoughts on this? Because I wanted to add something on Xbox One and its price cut when you when you finish on that. No, I, I mean I think we really um, I think the just the big thing is there is a huge cultural difference. I think Aaron's absolutely right in how um, like just the games themselves are very different. Like Gerald, I think you're right how the idea of change is a huge factor, and I think Aaron is right on the fact that the games are very different. Um, I think that. You know, with Microsoft would need to make a lot of changes to um, foster to a Japanese audience. And um, again, everything we have said are generalizations. We're not trying to be offensive to anybody, and we very much apologize if we are offensive to anybody. But um, I think we can agree it's not like it just cultures are different. And it exactly, would be and it's not meant, and it's not meant to offend anybody. It's just just it the would, way it's it's rooted. It's yeah. it, you're talking about something that's gone. You know, generations now. Yeah. So it, I, th I feel like it would be ignorant to say that that you know the United States and Japan are oh you you can't you can't make these distinctions you can't say that culturally we're not different it would it would be dumb for you to say that so I think that we are two cultures that are very different and I think it's amazing that we can make these analyses analyses I believe that's the plural on our video game consoles and make these predictions about video game consoles based on the cultural complexities of cultures. That didn't really make a lot of sense. But I think it's fantastic and, that that these conclusions can be drawn. And it's not to say that that you know one gaming culture is better than the other. You're no, just, you there's just different. A lot of people see, think that when people say different, you're saying good and bad. They're just different is different, and you need to be an adult and recognize that. And and if you're Microsoft or Sony, you need to calculate your plans accordingly. Yes, there, you need to 
think about that because and, so, and Sony had a plan initially. You know, I know the Japanese market was upset that it was consi- you know delayed till now before they could get their hands on PlayStation 4s. But Sony had a definite intent to hit the Western markets. And they saw a culture base that they needed to tap more into than they did in the previous generation. And in order to do that, they needed to have a plan and needed to allocate the the necessary inventory to get that done. And you know, as as of this point, with the three hundred thousand sold in Japan this weekend, and it's uh, heading on upwards of six million. If it hasn't passed that already, you know, it looks like you know, as of now, for now, Sony has made the right move. Um, so much to the point Absolutely. that uh, they've got, yes, so much to the point that Sony, uh, Microsoft has gotten the attention uh, and gotten the notice and gotten the memo in some ways um, because this week they announced a price cut in Europe. In Europe. Um, in Europe only. I'm sorry to say um, people in the Americas, people in you know Japan, you know, when they get, finally get it, maybe they'll get it at a better price than what was announced. Um, what have you? But they did make a drastic. They did make you know somewhat of a significant cut in price, and also it includes the the well, you know, if you were following us at Game Source on Facebook, you would have actually seen a couple weeks ago when when uh, a member of NeoGAF uh, posted all those different uh, leaks from Microsoft, including the Titanfall bundle. Well, the Titanfall bundle was officially announced to the uh, you know the U.S. and European markets this week, and that includes a down, you know, free copy, downloadable copy of Titanfall. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> oh, no, and it's yeah, and it's now cheaper. So in the European markets, so so with all that going on and the message that they're trying to send, um, you know, Aaron, I'll start with you on this one. Do you think these moves that they've made this week? are going to help shape the next few months for Xbox One in a favorable fashion? I think they have a lot of work still, even in our market, because they're relying so heavily on the first-person shooters, Titanfall, COD, Halo, um, the new Gears game. May I ask if you played Titanfall at all? May I ask? I have not. I do not have an Xbox One. Okay. Okay. Oh, it was on PC as well. I didn't know if you... Oh, no. My computers are both broken after Gerald gave me that wonderful last review I did. (laughs) I'm going to blame him (laughs) for my computers dying. Fair enough. I mean, the Xbox One to me has always been very... Xbox 360 and Xbox as well. Very one-dimensional for what they do gaming wise you know yes they have a lot of multimedia features in them but in gaming you know i will i i've always had every system within about a year and a half of launch of them but um the, the 360 you know the i look through my library and it's almost only shooters you know i don't have any on the ps3 because i think they play better on the xbox one and they or on the Xbox 360. And I think with the Xbox One, they're just going almost too extreme with that. I have to have a first-person shooter on Xbox One. And it seems like every other genre is left behind for Sony or Nintendo to take. 
but that's um, just Sa- my weird opinion. Sam? Okay, well... Sorry, I thought I heard myself echoing. Um, I'll just say I play Titanfall both on Xbox and PC, and I know that Microsoft is putting a lot of faith in Titanfall. They're putting a lot of eggs in that basket, but I can say with a lot of certainty that that is a really strong basket. It is like a titanium platinum alloy basket. Like it, it is a phenomenal game. And if they're going to be putting a lot of stock, like, Oh, shooter, shooter, shooters. Like that's the way that's what they have to do right now. Cause like they don't really have a lot of other ammunition right now. No pun intended. And that's the shooter problem. thing. But I do I like, see, but I just want to say, I do see it as a viable alternative and actually a more attractive alternative than infamous second son, because they're both coming out within the time, the same time frame window, yep. intentional, what have you. Although I think it is. Um, it's just that uh, they're both coming out with some big guns. I just think at this point in time, Titanfall is the more attractive yeah, gun. Like, I do, I do agree with Aaron in the sense that like they are lacking in their other columns. Like there's not a lot of check marks in the RPG column, or like any, there's not a lot anywhere else. But as far as I still I'm think the price it, is an issue here in the states. Yeah, but like at, at the very least, like just looking forward. Like they might not have, <clears throat> excuse me, they might not have a lot of other things right now, but the Titanfall release is going to be able to hold them over for a while. So I'm optimistic because like it's going to take some time for them to get other stuff, but at least they will have a very successful Titanfall launch. And I'll agree with that. And the same thing happened with 360. Um, you know, I got my system, I think two weeks after launch. And I didn't play anything for almost a year. I, I think it was until Gears came out that I really started playing my um, Xbox. And, and it just seems that they're doing that over, you know. They really didn't have a robust launch, though no one really had a an amazing launch um, game-wise this time around. And then they're waiting for their big title to really pick up because I know I worked – at Target and um, the the game store for right as that launched uh, the 360 launched and yeah we sold systems but that was about it I I th- I think we had 12 systems at launch and we sold eight games Do you uh-huh. know that people were just buying the system to have the system and. And I think a lot of that I think a lot of that is happening here as well where where people are initially buying the systems uh in the hopes of the future and just to have them as far as good stuff is concerned I mean yeah, I know like, the I know the oh, attachment okay. rates are not exactly as high as uh, both Sony and Microsoft want it so Like for me like um I got I was very fortunate I got my three uh my Xbox one for Christmas I have lovely lovely amazing parents and they surprised me with one for Christmas because I was still saving up money, I was saving up money, and they just got for Christmas. And but they didn't get me any games because they were like, "We have no idea what you would like," so we just didn't get you anything. And when I got it, I was like, "I have no idea what I would like," because I was I just wasn't expecting it. So I'm like, "What?" Because like I was planning on kind of getting one around when Titanfall came out. So I was I had one at Christmas. I'm like, "What? What the hell game do? What game do I get for this?" So I ended up getting um I played I didn't buy Rise I borrowed it from somebody and um so I played Rise and that was cool. And I got Battlefield, and that was cool. Like, Battlefield, like, that's gorgeous. Rise looked gorgeous. And, like, 
I have, I've never had a connect before. So like now that I have, I'm kind of glad that like it came bundled with it. Cause I'm just like, now I have a connect. So like me and my sister got one of those dance games and I'm, I'm an atrocious dancer. I can't, I'm not coordinated enough to dance, but um, it's terrible. You try, that's but, all like, that matters. I did try and it's very good at, even if you sucked being like, you're so great. Like here's three stars, even though you're really uncoordinated. <laughs> you should probably see a doctor about that. But what if it actually like told you that? Like you should probably see a doctor because you don't know your left from right. Um, but no, um, I totally forgot what I was even talking about. Uh, well, I'll just uh, let me just interject. I totally forgot what I was talking about. Titles. Please do, please rescue me from this because I've dug myself into a hole that I. Don't they think need I can a system selling game. Titan, which Titan, Titanfall, Titanfall is that will game. be. I, I, I will give you that. It more than likely will be their system selling game, but that's what give or take six months after launch. I think PlayStation's going to run into that problem soon. Second Son, yeah, it's an okay series, but they have so many other series that are first party even that just blow that out of the water. You know, if there was a God of War game or. I mean, I'd probably be happier with a Jack and Daxter or um, Sly Cooper, something along those lines, even if it is a bit kiddie, would seem like, to me, a better system seller than Second Son. Though, I will admit up front, I prefer the PS3 at this moment, or the PS4 over the Xbox One at this moment, with what I've seen of games coming in the next year to two years. Well, that was a great decision uh, maker for me as well because I wasn't sure on Titanfall. Um, I, you know, for me being such a huge Uncharted fan, I just thought that was a natural for me to get the PlayStation Four. But and that's uh, that seeing, is what should have well, been what well, made the decision for you. That's yeah, but seeing as how you know I've been actually working a lot with with some of the crew on on their highlights of of Titanfall and seeing extensive gameplay and. And uh, actually getting firsthand to try Titanfall, plus hearing what what Chris and Corey had to say at the EA event earlier this month before it was, you know, while it was under embargo, and and listening to what you and Jamie and and uh, Chris has to say, plus you know, being able to to have if they check out our yourgamesource.com YouTube channel, they'll see actual highlights of the Titanfall beta from Killer X Wolf kicking some major booty. And uh, you know, after seeing all that, uh, now it, it's it's piqued my interest in, in in thinking about getting an Xbox One. I mean, th- there really was no game that that made me you know swing into that direction as far as getting one. And and I think for a lot of consumers now that that's you know the hype of of Titanfall, the hype train is now going on strong after the beta, and there's just two weeks left that you can get it uh, before you know before it comes out. Um, I you know the the tight the Titanfall uh, Xbox bundle right now just got sold out in Europe. Uh, some of the GameStops already already sold out of their allotments. I know Amazon is selling big as well. So so it will be a strong system seller for them for at least going through the summer um, with hopefully smartly added DLC. But uh, you know, come fall, there still needs to be a, a, something done as far as you know, from an Xbox is concerned. And we'll see at E three once you know you guys go down to the E three if all goes well, and we'll we'll see to you know we'll see what happens as far as being able to what what Microsoft and what Sony have planned for for the fall uh, 
fall format. Um, the Order 1886 came out with some some uh, gameplay highlights, which looks good, uh, but I'm very disappointed that it's not a multiplayer. And I don't understand how you choreograph a storyline centered around four a group of four individuals and it not being a, a, a multiplayer because it had all the makings of being uh, like a Left 4 Dead type vehicle. Um, and that was disappointing. So I see that one probably in that maybe uh, that one's going to be delayed till next year. But some other strong titles from both Sony and Microsoft need to sway consumers. And right now, the, the lure of PS4 and its price structure is just too strong at this point in time for most consumers. But Titanfall, I think it's going to get quite a few consumers back into to the fold, or at least ones that have purchased the PS4 for Christmas, purchased PS4. Uh, in November and and are now able to to get those tax money back and start thinking about what they want to spend and I think the Xbox One is going to actually see some stronger numbers at least for the short term going forward. Yeah, I have like my brother's friend. Um, he was like thinking about getting an a, a, a Xbox One, but like again on the fence. Like I don't know, but then it's like Titanfall and like my brother, like my brother like plays games, but he really like looks to be because I am such a learned scholar in the field at this point. <laughs> And, um, you know, I got into the beta and, like, my brother's friend. Then, like, my brother's friend will ask my brother, who in turn asks me. So now my brother, like, acts like he's all, like, a big shot. And he just, like, asks me, like, oh, how's the beta? How's the beta? And uh, he doesn't listen to this, so I can take credit for everything. But um, if you do, if you do listen to this, Michael, my brother, you are a better brother than I thought you were. So, awesome. Well, I think where Titanfall is really going to blow up. Well, I think you know. <laughs> I, yeah, so I my brother's friend is now really... getting getting. He just got an Xbox, so he can play Titanfall with us. So there you go. Well, I think it's where it's That's really going to blow up. That's the moral of the story I was it's... telling. Well, there you go. I think it's going to really blow up in the next uh, iteration of Titanfall when it's available. Most likely, it'll be available on a multi-platform with PS4 and uh, Xbox One. I think at that point in time, it, you know, we need to talk about it. When we'll go at that time and talk about whether it can really, really go hard into uh, Call of Duty's numbers. So, uh, and really sink a teeth into that battlefield. But uh, moving on to our next topic. Um, more layoffs have come this week, and with the announcement of several members of Sony Santa Monica being let go, this, on the heels of the dismemberment of Irrational Games as we know it, is you know, and I've, that was just seemed like a, 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 a just really, Out really right something field. that was exactly just. But we'll talk about that in a second. So tell me, when the with the instability of this industry is now creeping into some upper echelon development studios like the two I just mentioned. What do you believe it will take for the industry to become more stabilized, or do you think that this is just the nature of the beast? Uh, Aaron? Um, I think the industry has to change because right now, investors, you know, at least to the public companies, the investors want, you know, we want you to come out with a AAA title every month, basically, and it needs to sell 100 billion copies a second. And I, I so a lot of the, the board members, the CEOs, down to the people who are developing, are, you know, that, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to have the next Call of Duty, the next World of Warcraft, you know, the next Madden, something along those lines that everybody just goes to. And a lot of studios can't handle that. You know, they don't have the structure in place to really blow out with these huge multi-million dollar games. 
And a lot of them are better off at doing the smaller games. And, you know, instead of making, you know, a hundred million in sales, they might only get, you know, half a million in sales. But if they do a lot more games like that, they're better off, but their investors, that's not what they want. So a lot of companies, until they can convince the investors to change their attitudes towards how they want to make their money, I think a lot of companies are going to be in trouble um, unless they are that top tier, you know, EA, Activision, some of them, even the some of the bigger, what I would have considered bigger companies 10 years ago in Japan are having those issues because their investors are the same way. You know, Capcom has had to cut, I mean, how do you cut Mega Man? I never would have believed 10 years ago that Mega Man would basically be an iPad game now. And it's, Pretty much. it's gonna take it's gonna take the investors more than the people who work for the company to change their trains of thought on, you know, uh, why are we risking you know half a billion dollars to make this game, one game, and if it fails, the company is done. I mean, we've seen that recently with companies that have been around for fifteen years. Um, and they need to go to the, you know, how about we make five games at $100 million each, and if two or three of them hit decently, we'll have made a profit on all five. I, I, I think investors are, if, at least in the video game market, trying to put all their eggs in one basket and just shove those eggs down our throat. And that it. it it, to me, I don't like that. I, I'd rather have, you know, five games that are decent than one game that is absolutely phenomenal. You know, because there's only only one game can be game of the year every year. You know, if they came down and put out, you know, five games and, and they were all decent, they'd have a better chance. And the investors aren't letting the companies do that. And the companies that are doing that tend to be doing a little bit better right now at least than you know the the bigger ones but that's just my insane thoughts well i, I to give you a perspective on it um let's take irrational games i mean they made bioshock infinite uh which sold four million copies which in the past was was considered by many a big hit but with your you know the the projected budget on that game was was probably approaching 200 million dollars so so after all the costs and things of that nature, what was the bottom line for 2K? Uh, the bottom line for 2K was is just something for them to reevaluate um, as far as how they they structure games like that. Even though it did, you know, really well as far as from a critical standpoint, and I think 2K in that in that sense was was willing to to let Ken Levine make the make the call on how he wanted to proceed. I just think Ken Levine. Uh, didn't want to to continue in such a, a stressful environment with so much pressure on you, and and you don't get the results that you want. Um, take a look at Crystal Dynamics with Tomb Raider. Uh, it sells five million, and Square Enix calls it you know at the time uh, that they had an investor meeting uh, regarding it initially, they said the sales were disappointing, and that only recently that it that it's turned a profit. So. Um, and that's five million sales. So what does that say when 
you know, you're only doing one or two. Well, it's, it's a, it's part, you know, has to deal with how you're controlling your budget, you know, from, from a A to a triple A game to a downloadable game. So I think, like you said, that a lot of people are switching over to downloadable games and that's what's causing these larger studios to start, you know, downsizing quite a bit. Uh, Sam, did you know, you spoke on a plus one uh, last week uh, on the subject of irrational games, um, and you you have such a preference towards the indie games as a whole. Um, could you shed some more light on on your feelings as far as, especially in the light of so, you know what happened to Sony Santa Monica, the God you know the home of God of War series, that that has uh, you know laid off quite a few people, and uh, rumor has it that that Sony has actually canceled one of their projects. Um, I honestly think that um, this whole industry is incredibly unstable. And that there's really not anything anybody can really do about it. I think game developers need to go into this industry knowing how unstable it is that, I mean, even if they come up with this amazing game, it can still sell like crap. Or maybe they have a crappy game that just goes viral and they make a ton of money off of it. I mean, that happens with like mobile games all the time. Like it's a dumb game, but like it just goes crazy and everybody buys it. But, um, you know, I mean, you've, you guys have already said all these examples of really successful studios, but, you know, some, then one way or another, the numbers don't line up. And I think that's really discouraging for indie developers because, you know, there are so many talented people who are either phenomenal writers or artists or programmers, and they have these, you know, big dogs to look up to. And, you know, they see these people on, it's like, okay, Bioshock Infinite, like, this amazing game and but you know their whole all these people who are working there not all of them but like all these people lost their jobs and i think that's really discouraging for a lot of people who want to go into this industry but it just you kind of have to make that choice you have to take that gamble because there's not a lot of things you can do to stabilize it because people change and their their people are constantly changing the market is constantly changing um, you know, every day more casuals come in and, you know, the, the market is just being revolutionized constantly and you can't contain something like that. You can't predict something that is just so chaotic. It's impossible. So I think if you're a person who's brave enough to enter this industry, you just have to know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a chance with this. And if you are, if you are a brave soul and you want to do that, and you want to take that gamble, you have to understand that things could take a turn for the worst without any knowledge, like any foreknowledge of it. And things could just suck and you could go out of business even after, even if, no matter how talented you are. And that's just what sucks. Cause you know, you know, your mom always tells you if you try hard and you are good at something, you will succeed. And the gaming industry is not one of those places. And that's just painful for me to say but it's really true that's the same growing pains that every entertainment industry has had Uh, i mean how many movie studios you know 50 years ago were, were having those same issues you know um i forget how many movie theaters closed right before world war ii happened you know, and World War II happened, and the movie studio picked up a little bit because that was the only thing people could do to take their mind off of what was going on. But 
it just it, it seems like you know everybody caters to their investors because it's a business that is unfortunately what you have to do and investors only care about the short term get me money right now i mean we saw that um the end of the playstation 2 gamecube xbox generation with the music games you know they were we couldn't keep them in stock and you know so activision and ea both went out and bought their own you know guitar based game and let things go from there whereas you know now i think rocksmith is the only one that's around and that that's that's more teaching you how to play more so than the old ones. I still don't think it's a real guitar, but it's another story. And everybody's trying to jump on right now. What's the best thing I can do right now to make money? You know, that's why a, a lot of the indie games are getting bought out by people. And then we never hear anything from those companies again, because once they go to the corporate structure, they don't work as well as when they were an indie game. And so a lot of those people just get totally screwed. Yeah. That's what's hard. That's, I mean, when you try to ride the fad train, like, that's just how you get burned. Yeah. So, I mean, that, but then there's the people who try to be innovative, and they try to go, oh, I'm going to do something new. And no, when nobody bites at it, because everybody's so focused on what's new and or what's, like, what's now – then, you know, what what gamble are you going to take? Are you going to try to do what's popular? And maybe somebody will be like, oh, this is what's popular. This is what's cool. Let's bite on that. Or are you going to try something new and hope that people are like, oh, I'm sick of what's popular now. Let's try something new. So what? it's a gamble. And, I mean, video games are not the only industry that does this. But um, that's, you know, the industry that we're most focused on. So that's what we're going to talk about. Well, yeah. It's because that's what we all know and love. Oh, yeah, it's the only thing I care about. It it just, uh, I don't know, it seems, I don't know what the words I'm looking for. In general, it's a very hard industry to be in. You know, with mergers and acquisitions and a lot of developers do not have that, the, the business side of things. You know, they see what they can build and they don't see the dollar sign or the corporate structure or the investors and things like that. And, you know, they make one great game and then they get hired by, you know, a huge studio because they made one or two great games at a small place and it's too much stress for them. You know, they don't get to see their family the way they did. It's a 24 seven job in a bigger company um, versus, you know, in a smaller studio where where you have a lot more freedoms and, oh, if we miss, you know, if we push the game back by four months, oh, well, we all have a second, you know, a, a job that's supporting us and video games are more for fun in some of the indie studios, not all of them. And we get a better quality product in the end, whereas in the corporate ones, you know, if we don't get this game out over the Christmas holiday, it's not going to sell, which isn't true because look at a lot of the February games over the last couple of years. They've done really well, but that's the the industry's thoughts, at least, on the investors. Fair enough. Twitch, just real quickly before we head to a break and a round table of doom. Twitch, it's coming to Xbox One on the next up- update. Are you excited, Sam? 
Um, as a a fresh faced Twitcher, that probably sounds not appropriate, but it really is. Um, <laughs> I I am just it. starting to. I'm just well one one who twitches. I'm a Twitcher. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just starting to get into Twitch. I have my I just like spent all this effort like getting my like open broadcast system stuff set up on my computer and everything. And uh, now it's going to be on my my Xbox One, so um, I'm excited for that. Actually, I don't. I'm not excited for the world to see how messy my living room is, but um, I am excited to to broadcast my my Xbox One stuff. And as uh, as someone who you know, like both you know, you have a tw- great Twitch channel, the Seventh Valkyrie. I know Game Source has a Twitch channel. I know it's something definitely a lot of people, especially with you know, conveniently around the. Uh, Titanfall debut is really looking forward to. And I, I think it really has, in my own opinion, a lot to do with the PlayStation 4's early success after the initial launch. People started using it uh, and, and really in droves as far as it's concerned. They really just like that feature, being able to stream, using the Playroom, using Twitch, using all, all that 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 streaming capabilities and to be able to, to edit their own videos and things of that nature. Although the Xbox one's editing and video capabilities are much more substantially uh, improved than what's available on the PS4 currently. And I hope PS4 addresses that. Uh, Aaron, as someone who, who uh, hopefully eventually will get into the next gen consoles, um, is Twitch an option for you or something that, that you might consider when you get into that as far as this is concerned? Not a bit. I could care less. Okay. So it's so it's it's <laughs> I, I mean I'm, I'm a just... role playing fan. I, I I'm a role playing <laughs> fan. I don't care to watch somebody else play it. I want to play it and experience it myself and I, I think Twitch goes well with, you know, the multiplayer games. Um the Dota's and things of that nature. Been around for a while. Yeah, I mean, I play StarCraft and Diablo and some of those that are more multiplayer friendly. You know, watching other people play them and learning. I just, to me, a system is about the games, and anything else is just extra. I'm not upset that it's getting it, but I'm not happy it's getting it either. You know. And if you listen to Twitch, because they, they just love to throw out the numbers right now that they're most watched uh, entity uh, as far as number of uh, viewers are concerned at, at, on any streaming service period on the planet and uh, the po- the immense popularity of it at this point in time. And um, I just I think it's a nice feature to have in both the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. I think that was an early advantage uh, early on for the PlayStation 4. And I just think now that Xbox One's caught up for with it in time for Titanfall, I think it's going to be just something that makes the Xbox One even more attractive. And you know, stay tuned to the Seventh Valkyrie Twitch channel, and also hopefully the Game Source Twitch channel. And uh, hopefully we can set up some times and days that alert you off of our Game Source Facebook page and update you when uh, either one of us is going to be, uh, or or anyone from the crew is going to be uh, doing Twitch. I know the Nesta. It has a Twitch channel as well, so so keep an eye out for that. I just think it's a great feature personally, and I hope to be uh, incorporating that in the near future. But uh, as of right now, we're going to head to a break and be back with a very eventful and, uh, let's say, landmark roundtable of Doom coming up right after the break. 
And we're back, and it's time once again for the round table of doom. Sam? Doom. Fair I feel enough. like it kind of ruins the mood when I say it because I kind of sound like a like a like the kitten equivalent of saying doom. We haven't had Chris on in a while, you know, with that super doom. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, kind of like the opposite of that. Well, I've I've got a major announcement, and uh, Nick Nick and I have uh, talked this over quite a bit over the last month, and uh, I've got some good and bad news for Roundtable Doom fans because I've actually had some feedbacks from some uh, individuals um, and uh, who who love the Roundtable of Doom and Roundtable of Doom segment. Um, the bad news first is that this probably, most likely, 100 percent. Well, okay. It will most likely be. You better not say it, what I think you're is. about to say. You better really pick your next words carefully, Daryl. Well, it is the final roundtable of doom as part of the game. What? Podcast. You don't get to just spring something like that on me. What? Well, I wanted to keep what? it a surprise. What? I almost wasn't on this podcast today. You were just gonna do. You were just gonna have your last roundtable of doom without me. What? What? Well, did you want another good news? Yes. But wait, what? Okay, I'm done. The good news is that the (laughs) the roundtable of doom, actually, um, we're hoping that in the month of March, sometime in the month of March, that we'll be actually debuting the roundtable of doom as its own show coming soon. Hopefully in the month, everything works out. It will be done in, in the month of March. Uh, it will be separate from all of our other game source podcasts. Uh, we're actually going to incorporate individuals from the outside, experts from from hopefully within this industry, along with you know members of our game source staff, talking about the various issues. So we're looking to, for uh, the Roundtable of Doom to to be sprung upon as its own entity sometime in the next uh, a month or so. So it's, you know, good news for, in that sense. What do you think, Sam? Um, I think we should have another Game Source podcast where we just talk about all the other Game Source podcasts. Like Fair what's enough. new in Game Source news. And we'll just we'll just have one person talk about what's going on in all the other games. Because we have like 17 well, podcasts now. And uh, and it, this came to light because it, it was brought to my suggest it brought to my attention as far as the concern that that people seem to really cater to. They're also out props to game trailers for bringing people from the outs there you know that are not directly associated with game trailers and bringing their in, themselves them in for each week for to talk about various game topics. And I wanted to do something like that because I know game trailers doesn't always get always the the greatest people uh, in the world. And they also don't you know, not able to get all the different individuals in the gaming uh, world or anybody relating to that industry, uh, and that you know, so they can imp- express their opinion. So we're looking to do some of that and and get some of those individuals who who may not get the opportunity to be on that show to come on our show, to come on the Roundtable of Doom and and be able to to sound off on the topics of the day. So the Roundtable of Doom is dying here a part of the Game Source podcast, but it will be born. <laughs> Very soon. Very soon. But since this I, is still I the Roundtable like Doom... I would like to take a moment. I would like to take a moment and say some words about the Roundtable of Doom. When I was on my Go first ahead. podcast back in 2011, 10, 2000 something, I, I, was, I, was, I first met the Roundtable of Doom, and I don't remember what we talked about, but it was great. And I was really nervous to actually talk about things. 
being recorded and having it being put on the internet. But the round table of doom was kind to me. I know. I think I remembered you every other sentence. You were giggling. Yes, I was because I was really freaking nervous because I'd never <laughs> done a podcast before. But Gerald, Chris, and even kind of Nick were kind to me. Well, Gerald and Chris were. Nick wait, wait, wait. There. Nick was kind. You are having false memories here. Well, he it was my first time. He didn't want to make me cry. So. Well, but then I did you know, not you cry should, on that day. You did acclimate yourself quite admirably later on, and you let Nick, angry Nick, you know, anytime he went he on an angry, angry rant. He wasn't angry Nick at the time. He was not yet angry Nick. So I knew him oh, in the but early he, days. He when soon he became it. He, he I very remember soon the first became time. angry Nick. Yes, he soon so became round angry table Nick. Doom, and, you have been a good yep. friend to me on the subsequent podcast after that day. So I will remember you fondly. And I look forward to working with you in your own segment in the future. Thank you, Roundtable of Doom. Yes. Yes. So uh, let's get started after that uh, misty During eulogy. Uh, testimony. Yes, during eulogy, testimonial, uh, what have you. <laughs> I think we should have with all the, the staff relief. members do. We should do. Can we do? Can we do? I'm doing one of those like. Waving my, you know this, Gerald, when I like get excited and I start waving my hands everywhere. We should have every staff, we should do a yes. plus one where every staff member records like just a 30 second thing and call it like remembering the round table of doom and have like really like sad music in the background. And it's just like everybody doing a really brief recording of them, just like their memories. Of their, okay, we're, I'm going to coordinate this. We're going to do it. I'm still waving my arms around. Okay, we're going to do it. Okay, sounds sorry, good. Um, with the release of Final Fantasy 13 Lightning Returns. Uh, with Don't the release of Final, Fan- Final Fantasy X and X2 HD, and with the upcoming release of Final Fantasy XIV to the PlayStation 4, many questions have come up as Square Enix prepares to blanket customers in a sea of Final, Final Fantasy once again. One question has come up in particular, especially in light of the lack of success of the most recent iterations. So I ask you, is Final Fantasy still relevant? Has it seen its most prosperous days and should be concluded sooner rather than later as a series? I mean, I'm a Final Fantasy fan. Most of my internet handles are based off of the main bad guy of Final Fantasy IX. But I I think the problem is uh, they've tried to build it for a Western audience. And like we were talking about before, the Japanese culture and the Western culture are two totally different things, whereas European versus North American are very similar, which is why a lot of games in Europe we can play and they can play ours, but neither one makes well in Japan and most Japanese games aren't as popular over here. But I think that's the problem. Final Fantasy and Square Enix Japanese developers in general have is that they are trying to make a Japanese game for the Western market and forgetting about their home market and what made them who they are in the first place. And, you know, we know they can still do that because they're who made Bravely Default and that game is amazing obviously a couple of flaws that are basically the Japanese market versus the American market. Uh, th- those are the biggest problems in them. But Final Fantasy has, you know, it said it took um, 
Oh, God, what game did it say? He made it all. Oh, he did it off of a couple of TV shows, Glee and um, 90210. And it's just like, why are we playing games that are... Actually, that was what Bravely Default was off of. But why is the Japanese developers trying to pull in American culture into their games? It's not what we ever played their games for. And in trying to go mainstream, they're shooting themselves in the foot. And I better stop talking before I blow my mind up with random thoughts. <laughs> to the average consumer, you know, someone who, who has gotten into to gaming more uh, recently – than than when both you or even I have played because I've I've actually lived long enough on you know well fortunately or unfortunately through throughout the entire series and and Sam and 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 you so Aaron, have you know were were but you were both brought up on the better iterations of the series uh, someone who I has the first got one when it first came out well someone who has I'm gotten Aaron, into if it I may ask how old you are thirty one I do not know okay. I am 23. But, uh, You're a baby. I'm, I am yeah, a I'm baby. 44. So now that we've got gotten everybody's ages out of the way. <laughs> I, do, I feel like uh, this, this age thing is going to be very important, actually, for this conversation. I really yes, do think it is. I important. agree with that. Well, uh, but what I'm saying is for people who have gotten in recent generations, like let's say the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation 3 was, or the Wii was their first major console, um, and, and going forward, they don't see the importance or the the beauty of what the Final Fantasy series had, because the la- latest iterations um, really are just you know have they not don't been have very the well made. That they used to. No, I know. And if if somebody tried to speak, you know, let, let's say we were, you were still at the game store, Aaron, and somebody Sam came, you know, somebody not say Sam, but somebody came in and asked about the the lineage and the and the chronological history of the Final Fantasy. Does it really even make sense? Could you really explain it in a in a rationale that wouldn't have someone's eyes spinning or eyes rolling? Because it, it I don't think they Square Enix even knows if it still makes sense at this point in time, but they just keep still. Uh, they they really just don't really have a great sense of direction as the, for for the series as a whole. I mean, people have been begging for for a remake of Final Fantasy VII now for 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 years, and they still keep trying to avoid it like the plague. And and Square Enix swears it's it's going to be still doing it, even though uh, you know uh, Katasi uh, Yoshinori Katasi. Um, has has repeatedly said that it would take you know an almost an arm and a leg and a substantial amount of workforce to try and bring that series back again into an HD format, even though they're just bringing out ten and ten eight ten dash two, which like I said doesn't make very much sense to me. If you can bring ten and ten two to a lot back to life, why can't you do the same for seven? But be that as it may, I just think you know at one time we discussed. In a weather call of duty, and we had this on a round table of doom. Uh, whether how, uh, yes, it, it's of doom, I remember it fondly. Yes, where call of duty stood as far as in the in the in the you know lore of franchises, and and you know, Nick was so adamant at that point in time about where it stood next to Final Fantasy and Mario. And while Mario has still continued to run strong iteration after iteration. 
Call of Duty has now surpassed anything that that Final Fantasy could even hope to represent at this point in time. Because Final Fantasy seems to, when people talk, talk about Final Fantasy, it's all based on on the distant past, and and oh, it's nothing yeah. based on, on on relevant, you know, that what's happened in recent years. Because if anybody could try and uh, substantiate to me now why Final Fantasy holds up as as a, a great gaming franchise. I could just I would just to be honest with you, I'm I'm being and I I would just laugh in their face because it does not. It no longer has that distinction. And like you said that Aaron perfectly, you hit the nail on the head. The magic is gone because of just such these such inept iterations that have recently come out. And 14 was such a huge dismal failure at the time and I'm glad they did go ahead and remake it. And they called it 14 again, like they were trying to sweep it under the rug, and now they're trying to do it again. They, they, they remade it, and it's a lot better now, and they're going to bring it to the PS4. But it, it's just to try and rationale to someone who has not played the Final Fantasy series or who has not really understood the Final Fantasy series, it just makes literally no sense to them. And I just don't see this series connecting at all in a mass market fashion in the in in the now or in the distant future because of the, the ineptness of the way that this series has been handled. Sam, did you have any thoughts? Um, well, I love the early Final Fantasy games. Those are definitely my favorite. Um, like, I played one, I played, geez, I played one, two, three, four, six, seven. I've at least started eight and nine. Um, but we all know what challenges it are, it is to, what a challenge it is to make a lot of significant progress in them. But um I like the I personally like the really early ones, like the eight bit, like super turn based, like I love those ones. And but those games are kind of that's kind of a dying genre right now because a lot of people think they're really slow and they think they're really boring and you know they're not exactly the most graphically pleasing thing in the whole world. But um you know that's those are near and dear to my heart. Because I mean when I was very young like, like you know, seven, eight. Um, my dad and brother would play them on the PS One, and uh, I would just kind of watch. But um, when I got so I never really played them when they were first kind of coming out. But you know, when I got older, I just kind of fondly remembered them, and I kind of fell back into I fell back into it. And you know, I'm actually I've played thirteen, and I'm actually at the I'm at the last boss of Final Fantasy thirteen too, and it's driving me insane. But, oh my god, that last level in Final Fantasy thirteen two is the most poorly designed level. Ugh. Oh my god, I was thinking about that's, it. I'm that's, you, you sound just like everyone else I know when that, that yeah. has an, an like affinity the for the Final Fantasy. In the Paradigm System, I do like. I very much like the Paradigm System. Because I, think I completely it agree. It. it is amazing. Yeah. And if they took the Final Fantasy name off of it and called it something else... That correct. game would have been phenomenal. But they put the Final Fantasy tag, the, the name on it, and it makes it garbage. Well, not really. I right. love the games. But yeah. I don't I do. love I them really the way I love the old ones. Like in Final Fantasy thirteen two, uh the Graviton core part, I got I got I got kinda stuck. Like I was I was having some trouble finding them and I was almost ready to be like, you know what, this is so much effort. I have a ton of other things I have to do. But I was legitimately like, you know what? No. Like I put all this hours in, all these hours in, I'm gonna finish this game. And even right now I'm at the last string of bosses. I'm like level grinding my brains out right now because I, I really wanna finish it. I really wanna know what happens. And I'm enjoying it. 
but not as a Final Fantasy game. It's just like when you you just Aaron, like you just said, like they're fantastic games, and I I, I love this like Square Enix name on it. You can you can put that on a trophy, but don't put Final Fantasy on this game. They're great no. games, but they're not great Final Fantasy games. And Lightning Returns, um, I haven't played the release, but I did get a chance to play it at E3 um, this past year. It's I, I really enjoyed it, but not as a Final Fantasy game. It is in absolutely no way, shape, or form a Final Fantasy game. So, I, I think, like, I would love if they went back to the Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3 roots. But, like, a lot of people, like, but, like, I, I actually was about to say a lot of people find that boring, but then I just caught myself because Bravely Default kind of follows that same similar formula a little bit. Not so I have Bravely Default is almost, uh, I mean, other than a couple of names of things, it's almost a uh, Final Fantasy Heroes of Light sequel. Okay, uh, I, I, mean, I play it's Final Fantasy almost Heroes exactly of Light. I, how loved, it I did like Heroes of Light. Yeah, and I did like I did like it. You know, the battle system's a bit different with braving and defaulting, but otherwise it's you know, it's basic it's more of a Final Fantasy game to me than anything since the PlayStation Two came out. You know, I to me Final Fantasy Nine was the last Final Fantasy game. Everything I else is that, just yeah. I haven't it, it's played just, I'm I haven't trying played to cash 10... in on the name. I have I haven't played anything past. I, I I haven't played ten to. I haven't played anything past ten except for thirteen and thirteen two. And like I enjoy yeah, them, but they're just not as Final Fantasy games. I mean, I've played all of them, and the only games I have not finished are Lightning Return, because <laughs> the Collector's Edition is still sitting in my room unopened because Bravely Default is that much better, and I could not stand X two, so I just kind of. I think I put like two hours into that game and quit. But all the rest of them I played to the end. And I don't like 12 as a Final Fantasy game, but I like 12 as a game. And I, I did. I didn't play 12. I saw enough to know. I did like how it did explore some of the other races. Finally, I feel like there's so much in the Final Fantasy world that, like, um, like Final Fantasy Tactics explored all the different races, which I very much appreciated. Because I, I think just think when it comes to like, I just think when it comes down to it, I think the Final Fantasy uh, series as a whole, um, you know, I, I just think it might need to end, you know, because well, I'm sorry to say that. On new age consoles, I will agree. But yeah. if they were to come out with a new Final Fantasy and all the bravest does not count, but if they came out with it on, you know, the, the Apple Eye Store or um, oh, yeah. well, the, iterations the Play such Store as that. or handhelds, and brand new games, brand new universes, but played a lot more like those other ones. That's really where that market is. Um, or, or if a 7.7 seven HD. Makes some amazing ones. I, or I, seven, I hope uh, they never make that because the moment they make the HD remake of it, it's not going to be the same game and everybody's going to hate it just like we did with Star Wars when they came out with new ones. But you know that you know or at some point in time, the remakes Square, of them people Square didn't even like. Well, yeah, they're but going you know to have to make Square. it at one point as yeah. a cash cow. But I don't think people are going to like it. And the moment they do that, they really kill the series because so many people have these amazing memories of, you know, seven and and a lot of people will tell you it's the greatest game of all time, even though they're wrong. 
But the moment they remake it, I don't see that game being better than a 7 out of 10. What is your favorite Final Fantasy game, if I may ask? <sighs> the first one. Okay. Gerald, but I don't know if you have a different favorite. You know, like three or four of us sat there, and over a week over the, sum- the first summer after it came out, we sat there and played it. So I don't know, is that really Final Fantasy one being such an amazing game or is it because i have such an amazing memory of playing it with my friends right before i moved you know so i could be a little biased on that uh, of what but i played I, I, uh, of them i i'd say the early final fantasies for me as well but the, it's just for me i it the it's just the series as a whole has never really endeared to me and grabbed me in the way it has so many others. Uh, but I'd say of them, you know, the, the early ones, the latest ones, the latest iterations just, just look, you know, I am like you said, garbage it, it, it to, to iterate in many, sh- in many ways. And it just, I just think they really just have lost their way. And I just don't think at this point in time, it just becomes more convoluted because you don't really, people want to see a series like that tie into each other. And the, and the way that, that Square Enix has structured this series is just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. You know, cause somebody will say, well, why is 14, you know, not why is 13 have three different versions, you know, three different iterations. I actually recently, I had to yeah. recently explain that to somebody. He's like, he's like, why is there thirteen and thirteens too? Why, why are there so many? And, and, and like, why does it? Why is there ten and ten too? And I have to explain, game like, standalone game, and the sequels get, you know, ten two or. I remember I was playing once, and my dad was like, my dad was like, if, if it's the Final to... Fantasy, why are there so many? And I was like, actually, I have to explain <laughs> the whole, the whole thing to him. And trying to fit in in all the in, in the same universe, and it just really just. Well, they aren't seem the same to, to, Most of them are not the I, same universe. Okay. I want I another Final Fantasy Tactics game. That's what I want. I want another Final Fantasy Tactics. And oh, then I'm man, done I've been playing that it. on my iPad. I have like 150 hours into that game on my iPad. It's so sad. I love that game. That's, if, that's just, all I'll, I'll want. It just to me as a series, it should all jive from one to 14. It should all make sense as far as the cohesion within the series. It doesn't. I really so think it's time for. So should they go back school. and make sequels to existing games? I think they. Like I said, I think the. I think the they seven. could, as long as they keep them on, not, next gen consoles, like you a know, sequel for Final Fantasy portable. two and like. Oh God! No, uh, I, I'm just. I think I think they're going to make seven and seven HD. I, I, I think they're going to make an HD version of that. I think at some point in time they're going to try and and and. Not all, but many of the other Final, Fantasy, Final Fantasies are going to go ahead and do something with them to a mobile market, to an HD remake, what have you. I just think at this point in time, maybe they should should just have one Final Fantasy to end it all and just move on and create new IPs that will actually, you know, with with the the influence of Final Fantasy, but making it, you know, a new IPs that will that will start. A new series going forward that people can connect with because I think the Final Fantasy, as a whole, as a major triple A player, has has run its course. So, um, and the, the next major topic. Occur, I agree. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, no, you're fine. 
Um, and the other topic I wanted to talk about on the Roundtable Doom, the final Roundtable of Doom for the Game Source podcast. Uh, with software sales trending down sharply in the current generation format since the start of 2013, and the emphasis from Sony and Microsoft on their next-gen systems, is it still feasible to produce and release a current-gen reliant product? In other words, is the current generation officially dead? Or are there games that can still thrive on the PS3 nope. and the Xbox 360? Because, you know, dead. Castlevania... Not dead well, why do you say I that? I think Castlevania's are dead, but I don't think games in general are. Well, Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2 has just come out, and, and that is good. that's already off the game. That's already in the toilet. Um, there's the... You know, some of the games like South Park, Stick of Truth, uh, Dark Souls 2, those games are also not on next-gen systems but will be relying heavily on their PC sales to to make up for the fact that I think they're not going to meet expectations on the current generation consoles, no matter how good they are. Um, and there's still quite a few games coming out through this year that are not downloadables, that are actually disc-based games, that are going to be reliant heavily on the current-gen systems. To me, I think that's that's a sign that a lot of those are not going to do very well even Titanfall is being delayed on the 360 version several weeks after the next gen and PC version. So, I just think that's a sign that the current, you know, generation consoles are dying a very quick death, a lot quicker than than most pundits, including myself, anticipated. And I don't think uh, that the lifespan of, of both the Xbox 360 and PS3 is going to be very much longer. Um, Sam, what are your thoughts? Like, I still have so many games to play on my Xbox 360 that if my Xbox died right now, I would seriously consider buying a new one just to finish all the crap that I still have yet to finish. And, like, I mean, obviously, if a game comes out that's, a like, a dual release, I'm going to get it for the Xbox One. But, like, there's still a lot of people. I mean, we kind of touched on this earlier. Like, there haven't been any games for the three or the the xbox one that have been system sellers that have been like oh my god i need an xbox one right now i mean yeah maybe when titanfall comes out it'll be it but so far there's there's not a i mean we talked about this earlier there's not really a lot of reason to have one right now so a lot of people are still playing all their stuff on the 360 right now so it's very much not dead yet because i mean in the, the ps4 like a lot of people are having trouble. Well, Microsoft is not even one. supporting the Xbox. The Microsoft's not really even supporting the Xbox 360 at this point in time. It's, you know, it, they're not I mean, really producing any games for it. That's this, I know, but that doesn't mean that people don't are still have a ton of stuff to play on it. Like, but I think yeah, for I know new that games, the 360 especially is done. The Wii is done. I think the PS4 might be able to last another year maybe you mean the, the ps3 correct but they'd have to do like yeah yeah i'm just basic i wish they could just not call them the same thing go, go the nintendo route name them all different things so that i don't get confused in my head but yeah um you know the ps3 could maybe last a year year and a half but they'd have to do like the playstation one or the playstation two the gamecube did and that's a lot more of the niche market games um you know, your RPGs, especially at the end of the PlayStation 2, we had some really amazing RPGs come out um, in the U.S. They came out, I want to say, before the launch 
of the PS3 in Japan, but over here, you know, we had Grim Grimoire, um, Odin Sphere, uh, a lot of those Nippon Ichi, um, th- those style of games came out after the PS3 was out. Some of them came out almost two years after the system launched here. And so they, they need that to keep the system alive. I don't think we're going to see any AAA games that are going to compete for Game of the Year. But I think we could see some you know smaller tier games come out, on especially the PS3, because that's really where the market for it has always been, and see them come out and make money and do something that you know would deserve a sequel in the next generation, um, you know because even sports games on it, that's about the only thing I see the Xbox 360 selling for for the next year is is sports games to the people who haven't upgraded yet. So uh, I like I said I I think that's a great point. And, I just, but I just think it, it at some point in time, you know, soon people are going to. Well, like I said, the numbers dictate it, and and software sales for the current generation systems are, are down even farther than what a lot of people anticipated. I mean, a lot of people were were thinking or about next gen, and I think uh, now come out. They just wanted those systems, and and I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are still saving money for those systems that don't have it as of yet. And are not spending it on games for their current generation systems. So I think that's uh, doesn't spell good news for for those titles like South Park, The Stick of Truth, and also as well for Dark Souls Two, and for those games that are going to be heavily heavily reliant on the current generation systems uh, for the bulk of their sales. So uh, to me, I just think it, it means the current generation is it's dying a fast death. And you know, like you said, Aaron, I think the PS3 does. Of the of the systems have have the most life left in it because Sony still has supported it. At least last year they supported it much more substantially than than Microsoft did with the Xbox 360. But uh, I think at some point in time, you know, consumers are going to have to jump in uh, with both feet, uh, you know, in mass you know, quantities to to whatever the new next generations or PC has to offer because you know with the Steam systems coming out and um, you know, with with PC gaming as as great as it is, uh, you know that's always a viable option as well. So a, a turn for the better for PC gaming could be on the way as well. So, Sam, any last thoughts? Um, I think we're I think we're pretty solid. I've got okay. one more, if that's okay. Of course, no, no, please. Uh, the the other thing is, I think last gen PS3 360 went long. You know. I don't remember any other generation going over six years at the most. And this one went from basically 2005, 2006 to 2013. So we're talking eight years for the PlayStation 3. Um, you know, when or the, the 360, sorry. PlayStation 3 was the next year. But when PlayStation 3 came out, there was a Gears of War, or not Gears, God of War, that was still on the PlayStation 2 that hadn't come out. And a lot of companies this time around have been developing for the PS4, the Xbox One, for four or five years already. They've been making games to come out in you know, the first year of it. And they had to delay because the systems stayed around longer trying to get the economy up um, before they did new ones. And 
all the developers had already started working on the newer systems. And so nobody really had, you know, the God of War, something along those lines to come out. I mean, the PS3s had, in a month period, they're going to have three top-tier, well, what should have been considered top-tier RPGs come out for the PS3, but that they're all remakes, except for Lightning Returns, which is garbage from what I hear. But, you know, everybody's been so PS4, Xbox One for the last you know, basically since 2010, 2011, that even the last couple of years, we haven't seen that many great titles that weren't an annual or a sequel that had been announced in the PlayStation 2 era almost. There's very few games that are, you know, two-year development cycle that have come out in the last two years because everybody's been waiting for the new systems. And I think that's what's killing us killing this generation more than anything is that the developers are so they jumped in way too early on the next gen and the next gen took an extra probably two years of from what it should have but that's you know just being my craziness excellent point indeed um so i think that's going to wrap it up for the final 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 Roundtable of Doom as part of the Game Source podcast. Um, and but I like totally I said, believe Final after playing Final Fantasy. There you go. Yep. Is it going to be like Final Fantasy where this is the final and then we're going to just keep going? Because it's the final Roundtable of Doom, but now we're going to have like a million more of them. Well, it'll be uh, we'll have Roundtable Dooms uh, HD remakes per se um, as you know in the future um, because we've had them uh, the best of them. Uh, as part of Plus Ones. You've already done a couple already. If, uh, and if stay tuned to our Facebook page, uh, Game Source, and you'll see uh, maybe every now and then a Plus One of a famous roundtable of doom. Is there going to uh, be a had... really, really absurdly hard boss battle at the end of this podcast that we're going to have to level grind for for like 10 hours? We're going to have to no, defeat Angry Nick I think you have only a... spoons. We have to beat Angry there Nick. You go. Do we have enough, do we have enough uh, Street Pass points for this? Do, do we Street Pass enough? No, but, uh, you know, Angry Nick, had, uh, like we said in the beginning, uh, wreaking havoc in the streets of Japan like Godzilla uh, may not be such a bad idea. It's Godzilla who sold 30,000 copies in the first week of sales. 300, 300. Full circle. 300,000? What did I say? 30. 300,000. Yes. That's why we keep your old around. There you go. Well... <laughs> That and so that I'm not that, the oldest person here. Yeah. There you go. So I've been told quite a bit. Uh, but that she, does it for this week, or this episode, I should say. That does it for this episode of the world-famous Game Source podcast. Uh, Sam, what you got uh, cooking up pretty soon? Uh, what do I got the cooking? The King of the Valkyrie podcast? What yeah, we, uh, so if you, guys, if you haven't checked out the King of the Valkyrie podcast, it's um myself, Sam the Seventh Valkyrie. That's half of it. And then my very dear friend, uh, Joshua King, the Wanderer King. That's where that name comes from, the King of Valkyrie. Um, we do a podcast on a pretty much weekly basis when we can. And um, we talk about fun stuff, so you should definitely check it out. Um, we do that. And uh, so that is on its own page. And then our, I believe you can get to it from my page, which is uh, yourgamesource.com slash Seventh Valkyrie. The first three episodes are actually on your page. 
Yes, the first three episodes are on my page, but once we have a fourth, uh, then the last, most recent three will be on the page. Um, I also have a Twitter at Seventh Valkyrie where you can hit me up. Um, I have a game source email, which is Samantha Paremba, which is, my name is actually Samantha. Fun fact. I don't know if that's ever been actually said, but my name is Samantha. I'm a girl, by the way. I don't know if that. Is no way. Actually. I did not know you were a girl. Surprise! Oh my God. I'm going to have to stalk you <laughs> I now. I tricked all of you. I've been a girl for this whole time and you didn't even know. Yeah. So my well, they haven't seen all the pictures I've posted uh, as far yeah. as when you're that's every actually, That is actually out. me. I'm not pretending. That's actually, that is me in real life. So yeah. Um, so at Seven Valkyrie is my Twitter. Uh, I have a Twitch now, which I've only broadcasted like twice. Because I get really camera shy. Like, when I'm broadcasting by myself, I just, like, don't know what to talk about. So I just get, like, really nervous and uncomfortable and just say really awkward things. So if you ever want to see somebody who's just, like, really self-conscious and, like, says really awkward things that aren't funny and end up being funny because they're not funny, check out my Twitch. And if you follow me on Twitter, um, I post on there when I'm going live. Uh, if you subscribe to me on Twitch, you get a fancy email saying, hey, BTW, 7 Valkyrie just went live. So, um, yeah, if you just want someone to see somebody embarrass themselves and uh, maybe play some games, then you should check that out. And you mentioned boss battles uh, previously. You were talking about oh, – uh, yeah. you, you actually had an article. Tell us a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I just wrote an article. Um, I, I, I do a short segment. Um, it's called the Valkyrie Minute because uh, I've just been doing a series of short articles. That are just like a paragraph if you just want a quick, easy read. Um, I've just been uh, just, just discussing the concept of boss battles. How, um, you know, some games benefit from them because they're well done, and some games have really crappy boss battles that are not beneficial to the game at all. So if you look for just a short read that might be mildly entertaining, check that out, too. It is on my page at yourgamesource.com slash 7th And, Aaron, I know uh, once you get back up and running, I know you got some reviews coming up uh, um, as well. Uh, Again, we appreciate you being a part of this podcast. Uh, and uh, just, you know, before we go, uh, tell us a little bit about maybe what uh, what you want to see or what you've got cooking up. Um, I'm probably going to do a second thoughts on Bravely Default once I finish it because there is a ton of crap in that game. Uh, lots and lots of side quests. Um, I'll probably throw something together for the new uh, Tales of Symphonia compendium or whatever the heck they called it, but the new PS3 release of Tales of Symphonia and uh, its sequel, I want to say Dawn of Something, I'm spacing out here. Um, And then I'll probably do something off of Diablo 3 unless somebody else beats me to it with the new Reverse Souls expansion coming out next month. And I know I'll do, without a doubt, I'll do the new Professor Layton game if it ever decides to ship. Thank you, Amazon, for being delaying that again. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's what I plan on doing, at least for view wise. Uh, beyond that, I have no clue. <laughs> well, no, that's that's uh, quite a bit on your plate, and. Um... For me, uh, just you know, continuing on with the plus ones, uh, getting all these podcasts together. Uh, I'll have more, hopefully, more articles coming up. Um, I want to thank Paul, uh, also as well, you know, uh, Michael for for sending out articles in the past uh, couple of days. Uh, Paul's was actually to you know to not to uh, uh, plagiarize. Actually, the idea from 
of of where the current generation issue stands was actually a, a lot came from his article. So if you want to check it out, it's actually on the Wee's uh, page, the W E E Z um, on yourgamesource.com. Um, so I want to give credit to him on that. And then I'll, like I said, I've got some articles coming up hopefully as well. Um, you know me on the plus one. We actually I actually did probably one of our best. Uh, one probably one of the best plus ones that I've actually done uh, on who is actually the the best pinball video game. Who's the pinball wizard? Um, that if you get a chance to listen to that, I really really enjoyed doing that one. I got a chance actually to record part of it at the uh, Pinball Hall of Fame with my girls, and uh, that was really actually a great time in doing so. Um, but yes, I'll have more stuff coming up uh, myself. I think I probably have to might might even do a review. Um, I'll keep updating the press page. You know, I'm updating as always the Facebook page. Uh, we're the leading aggregate site in the world as far as for news and information. Uh, there is no one better to get you the news in a faster, uh, more expedient time. Um, I'm looking at you know, and Jamie uh, and Nick and and so many others are looking at all these uh, sites uh, and getting the best just for you so you can have all your news and information in just one place. So you head on over to our front page, and you, or if you like us on Facebook, uh, the front page will pop up with all the latest news on www.yourgamesource.com or our Facebook page, GameSource. Hang out at either one of those places. You won't regret it. Um, if you get a chance, please appreciate. just let us know how we're doing, whether you're sending us an email at info at yourgamesource.com or right there on our Facebook or at GameSource on Twitter. We just want to know out there, if you have any questions, you have any comments, good or bad, just let us know, because we really do appreciate the feedback, and we thank you for being a, you know, a part of, of the GameSource scene as far as uh, an avid listener, viewer, what have you. But uh, I think that's going to do it for all for us this not, uh, tonight. Uh, this is Gerald, better known as Yes Elvis Lives, uh, sitting in for Nick. Angry Nick, uh, unfortunately, couldn't be with us tonight, but he swears, whether we like it or not, he's going to be on the next podcast. Um, so for me, But yes, he missed Elvis the last roundtable of Doom, so... In your Nick. Sucks to be him. Um, so for well, me, that's Yes just, Elvis that's Lives... Oh, this is Sam the Sun Valkyrie. And this is OSU Waterpolo. Thank you very much for joining us, everyone. And uh well, have a great evening. Sam, don't you usually do a, a revidarch? Oh, oh, I gotta do my sign off. Have yes. a great rest of the day. If you're listening to anything. If you're listening to this at night, have a great rest of the night and the great rest of some of tomorrow. Uh but not all of it, so don't get greedy. And we will talk to you at a later date. Aaron? You don't have a cool sign-off yet, do ya? Nor will (laughs) I ever. (laughs) Fair enough. Take care, everyone, and thanks for listening. (laughs) I pride myself on offending the general public.